Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise be to God. So this year, some of you know, um, as you have watched the evolution of my vehicles over the past year or so, um, I get really into off-roading. And Colorado is just the perfect place to live um, if you're really into trail running and off-roading. So uh, earlier this year, I I traded my other car and got this, got this rig that I'm driving now. And so last Friday, my brother was in town from Illinois. Not my brother who's normally here, but another brother was in town from Illinois with a couple of friends. And I was like, I want to give them a real Colorado experience. Like, I want to go do something a little wild. And so we went to a trail that I had never ridden before. And I studied up on it. It's, it's why, look, if you're going to go run trails, you better study up on the trail and know what you need before you get there. So I'd done all my homework. Like, I'd read up this trail. I, I thought I knew what I was getting into. And we get out on the trail, and it is like, 10 times more technical than I anticipated, right? So I'm not prepared for this thing. But you know what? We're going to tackle it. We're going to do it because we're stubborn dudes. And so we get out and we, we're running it, and nobody else is on the trail right now. We are alone. So if we get stuck. We're stuck, right? And we hit this one spot, and there's this big old boulder, and there's nowhere to go. It's so narrow. We, we have to go right over this boulder. And I'm doing really good. I've got my line picked out. I'm running up this boulder. And then my tire slips and boom, I am high-centered on a boulder. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means your car is like a seesaw, okay? The boulder is holding the entire car up by the center of the car. No wheel is touching the ground. I can't move. There's nothing we can do. And I'm not prepared for this, right? I, in all my study... This wasn't part of the trail. I had no idea this was going to happen. And so now I don't have the tools that I need to get out of this situation. And my brother and his two friends from Illinois who are thinking, dude, this guy has no idea what he's doing. We're we're digging out and we're moving rocks and we're trying to pick things up. And of course, you know, you can't just lift my car up. And so the best we can do is kind of work and keep ourselves busy until the Jeeps that we know are coming are coming. And so about 35 minutes after we get stuck on this boulder, Sure enough, a line of Jeeps come up behind us. Now, I got a thing about Jeep guys on trails, okay? I drive, I drive a Lexus, all right? So the Jeep guys usually look at me and are like, Pfft, right? These guys pull up behind us, and they park, and I swear, 10 guys and their wives get out of these vehicles, and they immediately jump into work. And they got all the tools. They got everything we need to get out of the situation. And they're assessing. Nobody's shaming me. They're like, dude, I love to see drive-out tags on the trail. I love to see new people on the trail. And they're just great, great guys. And they get us set up. And about 15 minutes later, we are finally pulling out of this spot that we thought we were going to be stuck forever. And so we say our thank yous, and we drive on up the trail a little ways. And we're maybe another half mile up the trail, and there's a little pull-off. And I talk to my, you know, I say to my brother and his friends, like, we, we need to just let them pass us. That way, if we get stuck again, they're in front of us and can come back, and we know where they are, right? And so we pull over, and as the line of Jeeps comes up, the first one stops next to me, and the guy says, hey, man, why don't you just join us? Just, just kind of join the line somewhere. 
And I was like, oh, man, thanks. That's great. That's really nice. Yeah, sure. And so he goes on, and the second Jeep guy pulls up. And with no further discussion, he just says, fall in behind me. There's some washed-out spaces before. You might need a tug to get out. And uh, we'll, we'll go on, but you can jump right in the middle here. And we're like, thank God, right? So we pull in behind him, and we follow these Jeeps up. And Cameron and Jeff, man, I am incredibly, I'm eternally grateful to them for welcoming us into their little club and getting up that trail. But what Cameron and Jeff didn't know right then, what they had no idea they were doing, maybe they do, I don't know, but what they didn't know at that time is that they were discipling me, right? They, they were experienced. These guys have been doing this for decades. They know what they're doing. They're prepared. They're equipped. They have the tools. And even when a situation comes up that is unexpected or maybe they've not seen before, they know how to adapt to it. They know how to address it. And they saw me, a noob on the trail, somebody who didn't have everything he needed, and instead of throwing shade and throwing shame at me, instead of putting me down or just driving on because we're a nuisance, they said, come along with us and we'll show you the way. We'll show you how to do this. We will demonstrate for you how you need to drive, what line you need to take, the tools you need to use, the ways that you need to get out of these stuck places. And even if a new situation arises, we've got the depth of experience to be able to address it. That's discipleship. They had no idea that they were discipling me on the trail that day. We live in an evangelical world. We live in a world where if you've heard this passage read before, this passage called the Great Commission, all too often we use this as the justification for what we call evangelism, telling people about Jesus. The problem with that is that telling people about Jesus usually stops right there. Told them about Jesus. They prayed the prayer. They made a decision. Woohoo! Win for the kingdom. We're done. And then we move on and we lose 90% of what Jesus was saying when he said, make disciples. To make disciples is to do what Cameron and Jeff did for me on that trail. And what they did for me Friday night when we were texting and saying, hey, when are we going out again? When are we getting our families together again? When are we doing life on the trail together again? That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is a long game. And so when Jesus says to us in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, he is talking about so much more than getting people to pray a prayer or make a decision for Jesus. He's talking about so much more than what we often call evangelism or discipleship. He's talking about walking this life together and walking the life with someone who is experienced enough with Jesus. So when stuff comes up that we didn't experience, when stuff comes up that we didn't expect or we've never addressed before or that the Bible isn't 100% clear on, we've got a mature person in front of us who says, you know what, I've dealt with enough stuff following Jesus. I know how to address this. I know how to walk this way. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that, man, they're broken. They are divided. They are messed up. And he is addressing some really thorny issues, stuff that Jesus himself never specifically addressed. And so Paul is relying on his experience with Jesus and his experience as an apostle of Christ to address these issues that Jesus never explicitly talked about. And then in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Or in some translations, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
You see, Paul knew he had been following Jesus, and even though Jesus didn't say anything specific about the situation the Corinthian Christians were dealing with, through his experience and wisdom as someone who's following Jesus, Paul knew how to address those issues. And so Paul knew that these immature Christians in Corinth desperately needed someone who was further along the way to walk with them to address these issues that Jesus didn't specifically address. That's what discipleship is, and that's the motto of disciples. The model of a disciple is, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus, which means don't follow me if I ain't following Jesus, right? Don't follow me in the ways I'm not following Jesus. But as I follow Christ, follow me so that you're following Jesus too. Let's follow Jesus together. That's what discipleship is about. It's about following Jesus and inviting other people along the road with us, walking along together and saying, let's follow Jesus together. When thorny issues come up, when when things that that aren't 100% clear in the scripture come up, we'll know how to address them together. Our collective wisdom and the Holy Spirit working through you and me together will teach us how to approach these issues that, man, they're thorny, they're hard, they're difficult. We weren't prepared for this. We didn't have the tools. We didn't have the right jack we needed. Right? We didn't have the right tools that we needed to get out of that stuck situation, but because I'm walking with people who are more mature than I am, who've been following Jesus longer than I am, who are wiser than I am, we know how to address this issue. And so the, the motto of the disciple maker is follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And we all need that person. We all need that person who says to us, follow me as I follow Jesus. And we all need the person that's following us as we follow Jesus. No matter how mature we are. Here's the crazy thing. A lot of people don't want to make disciples or they're afraid of of talking about Jesus. They're afraid of leading other people into a life with Jesus because they're afraid of their own immaturity. They're afraid that they don't have everything right. They don't have everything together. So how can I possibly ask someone to do it with me? And this is why Jesus only calls disciples to be disciple makers. Only a disciple can make disciples. Here's a a secret. Anybody can evangelize. Anybody. Anybody can speak the gospel of Jesus. Even people who don't believe it and don't follow it can speak the gospel of Jesus. And God can use it. The Holy Spirit can and does use it. We've seen this happen over and over again as churches blow up and they grow because they've got a charismatic leader who's actually teaching the gospel and then later you find out they didn't actually believe this stuff. They didn't follow it, but God used them to speak. But what they weren't doing was discipling people. What they weren't doing was saying, hey, walk alongside of me and let's follow Jesus together. Imitate me as I follow Jesus. They don't say that because they know if people start imitating them, then they'll be out. They'll be revealed as people who don't actually know the gospel, who don't actually follow Jesus. And so it's so vital that we have people who follow behind us or follow with us as we follow Jesus to keep us accountable, to point out the areas where we're not following Jesus, to help us to stay faithful to him, especially if we're immature in our faith, especially if we haven't been following Jesus very long. We need those people all the more. We need people more mature and less mature than us to help us to walk that road. Only disciples can make disciples. You know what a disciple is then? A disciple is one who has been called out by Jesus to follow him and to imitate his way of life 
and call other people to imitate that way of life as well. And the good news here, the good news about being a disciple maker, even when I'm not particularly mature as a disciple myself, is that we are all covered by the grace of God. And we see this right here in this passage. This is one of the greatest details in this little passage right here. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus has directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped. And what's it say? But some doubted. But some doubted. Now, now realize who these people are who are doubting. They are guys that Jesus called out by name specifically to walk and live with him. They've been with him for a minimum of three years, living by his side, watching his way of life, learning from him as their rabbi, being taught how to live like Jesus. They're looking at the risen Jesus in front of their faces and they're doubting. They see him. They know his voice. They know his face. They know his appearance. They would know him by his silhouette. And yet, they doubted. And even to these, Jesus says, go and make disciples of me. Even to these, Jesus gives the great privilege of going and making disciples. We are not all 100% on board in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in the things that we do, and in everything. That's what being sinful means. It means we're not 100% on board with God. There's still rebellion in our hearts. There are still places of our lives where we're like, give me control, God. I don't trust you. I want to run with this thing myself. Or, God, I'm kind of afraid of what you're going to tell me to do, so I'm going to make my own plan and disregard yours. Being sinful means we're not 100% on board with God all the time. We still resist him. We still don't trust him fully. And even to us, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Even to we who doubt, even who we are and who are, who are still withholding ourselves from God, who are not fully surrendered to him, even we who withhold some doubt about who Jesus is, Jesus says, go and make disciples. My grace covers you. My grace is with you. My grace will cover your sin. My grace will cover your mistakes. My grace will cover those areas where you're not fully surrendered to me. And as you walk with these other disciples, as you walk with those who are more mature than you, who are further along the road with you, as you walk with those who are less mature than you and you are walking with them and helping them, my grace is sufficient for you and I will cover those areas where you are still incomplete. I will make you whole. I will pour my love on you when you doubt me. I will wrap you up and embrace you and empower you to be my example in the world even when you fail, even when you fall. We see this exact thing happen with the very apostles Jesus appointed. Remember, Jesus had these 12 guys. Now it's 11 because Judas betrayed him and Judas went and died. He's got 11 apostles. These are the people that Jesus is sending out. These are the most authoritative teachers in the history of the church. Jesus is giving them the task of beginning the church. And very, very, very quickly, we see one of the lead apostles, Peter himself, living in his prejudice and rejecting certain people from the church. In Galatians 2, the apostle Paul tells this story where he was in Jerusalem with Peter and some of the other apostles, those who are called pillars of the church, he says. And Peter there is not 
eating with Gentiles. That is non-Jewish people. Peter is a faithful Jewish guy. The Lord has told Peter, I want Gentiles in my church. I want them in my community. I want non-Jewish people following me. It's okay, Peter, for you to eat food that it was previously uh, banned for you. So it's okay for you to go and have dinner with these Gentile people. Peter has received all of this from the Lord. He has been told all this by Jesus himself. And Paul goes and sees Peter rejecting Gentiles in the church and only eating with Jewish people. Now, in this world, eating with someone was the highest form of acceptance and the highest form of hospitality you had. If you got invited to someone home, that was them welcoming you into their life. For a lot of people, it communicated an acceptance of your way of life. This is why Jesus got in trouble for eating with tax collectors and sinners, because when the religious people saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners, what they saw was Jesus approving of everything that these people were doing, rather than inviting them into a relationship to cover them. And so when Peter is rejecting the Gentiles and saying, I'm not going to eat with you, he's living into all of his racial prejudice. He's living into all of the, the power dynamics of his Jewish faith that he grew up with. And Paul calls him out to his face. He didn't like take him aside. He's not, he's not like, oh, Peter, we need to go have a talk, you know, here in the corner. In public, Paul goes, Peter, you are wrong for being prejudiced against these people. You are wrong for not having a meal with these Gentile Christians. And you're hurting the witness of the church. You're hurting the gospel of Jesus, Peter. And Peter has to repent. Peter has to repent and, and re-surrender himself to Jesus' mission for the church. Peter didn't get it right. Peter followed Jesus. He lived with him. He walked with him. He was one of the first people that Jesus said to, come and follow me. And Peter didn't have it all right. But he was covered by the grace of of God. He was covered by the grace of Jesus. And having Paul with him, having that disciple with him who would say, Peter, what you're doing is wrong. Peter, this is not the gospel of Jesus that you're living into. Peter, you're failing as a disciple right now, was the most loving thing Paul could do, and it restored Peter himself. That's why discipleship is essential to who we are. That's why empty evangelism or simple evangelism and getting people to pray a prayer or make some commitment to Jesus without actually walking with them and committing to their lives is wrong. It's a failure on behalf of the church. If we are content to just go and speak the gospel and get people to make a decision for Jesus and don't walk with them to maturity, we're failing them. And we're giving people a false sense of security. Discipleship is so much bigger than evangelism. And it's what Jesus calls us to. It's what Jesus has commanded us to do right here in Matthew chapter 28. It's the very last thing he says to his people before he goes to heaven, before he leaves the earth. The very last command Jesus gives is to go into all the nations and make disciples. So we got to go. We got to go. And not be content to just evangelize. There are people with the gift of evangelism, and I'm grateful for them. There are people who are gifted to stand up and to speak the gospel, and the Holy Spirit works through them, and God works through them, and Jesus works through those people. But I think we, we make a mistake when we assume that every Christian is to be an evangelist. Every Christian is to be a disciple maker. Not necessarily an evangelist. 
You may not be gifted to stand up and to preach the gospel to thousands of people or to hundreds of people. You, you may not be the extrovert who's going to go out and, and just share the gospel of Jesus, whatever five or 10 minute or 15 minute presentation of the gospel you got, however you've been taught to evangelize. You may not be that person. And it's okay. Because even introverts can make disciples. Even people who don't like being around people can make disciples. We can all build intimate relationships with people and walk with them to maturity in Jesus. And that is what Jesus calls us all to. Some people he calls to be huge evangelists and to go and speak the gospel. But you know what those evangelists have to have? They have to have an army of disciple makers ready to welcome those people who have received Jesus and say, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to live life with you. We're going to deal with all the thorny issues of life together as followers of Jesus. That is a much harder calling than simply evangelism. And it's so much more rewarding. But Jesus gives us a promise here at the end because this is daunting. This is a scary call. It's big. It's heavy. And you and I cannot do it alone. We can't. I can't. You can't. None of us can disciple people alone. We must do it together. And we must do it with the power of God on our side. We must do it with the Holy Spirit living within us. We must do it with God equipping us all along the way. And that's why this promise Jesus makes at the very end is the absolute key to being able to make disciples And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has just said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the king of everything. He is the one with authority over everything and everyone. He is the one who cannot be beat, who by the cross and his death and his resurrection has declared, I am Lord, I am master, I am king, and I am also friend to sinners. I'm a brother to the broken. Jesus has just said, I have all the authority in the world, and I'm the one who's going with you. I am with you to the end of everything. There's this interesting uh, scene in earlier in Matthew and in the Gospels where Jesus goes out to be tempted in the wilderness. So Jesus is just beginning his ministry and he's driven out into the desert by the Holy Spirit, we're told. And there in the desert, Jesus is tempted by the devil for three days or for 40 days. And we have these three kind of statements that the devil makes to Jesus that are supposed to tempt Jesus into sinning. And one of those temptations is that the devil says to Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you authority over all the kingdoms of the world. We're told even that that the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple. Or he takes Jesus and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil says to Jesus, if you'll just worship me, instead of your father, instead of God, then I will give you authority over everything over all the world. And you know what's really interesting there? It's an argument for silence, so it's not 100% solid, but it it fits with the Old Testament worldview. What's interesting there is Jesus doesn't challenge the devil in his claim to authority over the earth. He never says, you don't have that to give. That's not yours to give, because biblically, it is the devil's authority. According to the Old Testament worldview, according to the Bible, Satan has been given authority over the entire earth. 
And so when the devil tempts Jesus to worship him and he would give him authority, it's a legit promise. He has the authority to give. It's only through his crucifixion and resurrection that Jesus trumps the authority of the devil and reclaims his authority over the earth. And so now Jesus rules and reigns as the king of the world. It's his kingdom that we're living into. It's his kingdom we're spreading. It's his rule and reign. It's his purposes and his justice and his kindness and his goodness that are ruling over the world today. That's why we gather as the church. That's why we're here to make disciples, citizens of Jesus' kingdom who are living into his kingdom values and his kingdom goals. And this is the one who says, I am with you always. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I am with you as you do this thing I'm calling you to. A lot of us are afraid of making disciples. We're afraid of welcoming people into our lives. We're afraid of walking this road together because we're afraid we'll get it wrong or we're afraid of opposition from people or we're just afraid of being judged. We're afraid of people saying no. We're afraid of rejection. There are so many reasons to not make disciples and this one promise overcomes them all. Jesus says, I am with you. I am the one who defines you. It is my love that tells you who you are. It is I who tell you who you are. You are a child of God. Yes, you are. It is my love that determines your worth and value, not the acceptance of others. And it is my power that mobilizes you, that equips you to go and to make disciples and to be my example. And it is my grace that covers you when you fail. It is all Jesus. When we step out in risk to make disciples and to help people to follow Jesus, it is all his work. None of it rests on you and me, which means absolutely any of us, my seven-year-old daughter, eight-year-old daughter, sorry, she had a birthday, my eight-year-old daughter is equipped to make disciples because it's not about who she is, it's about who Jesus is. It's not about her value and her purpose and her ability. It's about the ability of God living within her and through her. Any one of us can invite people on this journey of following Jesus together and know that we are equipped, empowered, associated, identified with, and defined by Jesus Christ, not by ourselves. And therefore, we can go and we can say, you know what? I'm going to fail. People are going to reject me. Yeah, this is not always going to work exactly as I want it to. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. I mean, sometimes it will be, and those will be really nice. But not always. And when I fail, and when things aren't working out, and when I receive rejection, and when people are trying to diminish my worth and value, I look to Jesus, who is with me always, and I rest on him and him alone. And it is his mission, and it is his power in which I work. Not my own. The pressure's off, guys. All of the pressure is off because it's God's work that we do when we step out to make disciples. That's why we go. If we just gather together and if we just grow in our own spiritual lives and we're all about us and our internal growth and we're all about becoming the best Christians we can be, but we never go, we should shut our doors because we are failing the one thing 
Jesus told us to do before he left us. We should shut our doors because we're not actually moving forward Jesus' mission. If our faith is a selfish, self-centered faith that is focused just on building up this particular group of people and becoming the best we can possibly be without ever actually stepping out of our doors and saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you. He has purpose for you. Jesus wants your wholeness and Jesus wants your health and Jesus wants your maturity and Jesus wants all the best for you. If we are not going out and making disciples, we ought not to exist. There's no purpose to us. We're just a self-centered country club. But when we step into this radical mission of Jesus to make disciples for him, that's when we'll fulfill all of the purpose for which we were made. That's when we'll know who we are in Christ. That's when we will be secure in who he calls us. And that's when we will see his kingdom spread. We will see justice and peace and goodness reign in our community as we, in risk, step out and say, would you follow Jesus with me? Would you walk with me as we follow Jesus together? That life is so good. It is so good. Would you step up as Cameron and Jeff stepped up on that trail with me and say, fall in behind me. Fall in and let's follow Jesus together. You know, there's some stuff coming up you may need to tug out of that. There's some stuff coming up in your life that you may need help with. There's some thorny issues you're going to have to face and I want to be there with you. You can use my tools because you don't have yours yet. There's some stuff coming up for you that I've already walked through and I've already dealt with and so let's do this together as a family. Who is God calling you to ask to walk with you toward Jesus? Who is God calling you to say, would you, would you walk with me? Would you follow Jesus with me? Who is he calling you to say, hey, can I follow Jesus with you? Who is he calling you to look up to who's equipped than you, who's maybe a further down the road than you, who has the tools and the resources that you haven't developed yet, who has the wisdom you don't have yet? Who's he calling you to say, hey, would you, can I walk with you? Can I walk this road with you? Can I learn to follow Jesus with you? Can we fail together? Can we succeed together? Can I hitch my wagon to yours? There's someone in your life on both sides that God is calling you to now. So I want to take a minute I want us all to take just a minute of silence and to just pray and think on who the Holy Spirit might be calling you to follow and to ask to follow you today. Let's take a moment. As you're praying on this and God is 
revealing to you people for you to reach out to in love, to ask to follow and to ask to follow you, I'd encourage you, write those names down. Put them in a place where you'll see them regularly, where you'll be reminded to pray for them, to pray over them. And if as you're hearing names, you're seeing names, you're, you're thinking on this, you feel intimidated, you feel overwhelmed at the notion of approaching them, continue to pray for them. Begin in that space where you're praying for them, praying for a heart of love for them, praying for tenderness, and praying for the moment when you'll approach them and say, hey, can I follow you as you follow Jesus? Or you approach them and you say, hey, you want to walk with me toward Jesus? You want to follow me as I follow Jesus? And Holy Spirit, we pray today that you would reveal to us your plans for our lives and your plans for the lives of the people around us. That you would give us the the strength, you'd give us the courage to approach the people in our lives who you're calling us to walk in discipleship with. That you'd give us the courage and peace to be able to approach them. And God, I pray that everything we do as a community is about the kingdom of God and making disciples of Jesus, following you as we follow one another, walking this road together arm in arm as a family in love. God, bless our efforts as we go to seek to make kingdom disciples, to make disciples of Jesus. Give us wisdom beyond our years, wisdom beyond our maturity. Lord, would you grow us up into the image of Jesus? so that we can help others grow into the image of Jesus and they can help others grow into the image of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we are a multiplying church, not for the sake of becoming the biggest church on the block, but so that we can see disciples of Jesus made and multiplied and radically transforming our world with the peace, the shalom of our God. And it is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.